text this morning, Acts 1 and 8. I'll be able to quote this one. That's one of our key keynote scriptures, I tell you, that we think about uh, being born again. And it's full of so much promise and describes so much of our life. Acts 1 and 8 says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And our lesson title today, uh, this we start a new section, a new uh, lessons is Life in the Spirit. And today we will be talking about Empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit. Let's pray one more time for the lesson. Thank you, Lord, for the word that's gone forth. Thank you for the promise in it. Let our hearts be good ground to receive it by faith today. Lord, we're going to be better. We're going to be changed. We're going to be living in the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. If you're thankful for the Holy Ghost that God put in you, come on, let Him know it this time. Glory to God. The, the theme, I guess, for this, this lesson is this, that we are able to be led by the Spirit. Jesus said that the Spirit would lead us and that it would guide us. So we are able to be led by the Spirit every day and in every situation when we have been filled with the Spirit. Uh, we talk about this a lot of times. God gave us the Holy Ghost not just so we could be a showpiece for people to, to stare at. Uh, I know that when the Holy Ghost was poured out in, in Acts chapter 2 that said that people began to doubt and begin to mock and say these are filled with new wine and, or drunk with new wine. And uh, Peter had to stand up and tell them, said, they are not drunk as you suppose. said, but this is that. There was, this is something that was specifically meant to happen. This is that that was prophesied by Joel. And it's come to pass in this day that God has poured out his spirit on all flesh. And so uh, when we have been filled with the spirit, we are able to be led by the spirit. If we let it, you got to let it lead you. It doesn't drag you. It didn't say we were able to be dragged by the spirit or drugged by the spirit. Um, it doesn't say it pushes us. Uh, it doesn't tease us it doesn't uh, have to do anything it just it's there to lead uh, when something is leading you it's trying to get you to a specific place if you're following somebody to a destination you've never been they're leading you to that place yeah. and so uh, I want to go wherever the spirit wants me to go I want to do whatever the spirit wants me to do uh, I want to be led by the spirit so I must yield to the Spirit. I can't uh, be, uh, there's a scripture that talks about uh, how Israel were hard-hearted and they were stiff-necked and they resisted the Holy Ghost. And I don't want to resist the what they used to call, so they get that unction from the Spirit, that nudging that you realize that something different is going on here today. And so Jesus tells 
the disciples than those that are there that have followed him up to this point before he's received up into heaven. He says, let me tell you something. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So uh, this goes along with our previous set of lessons on faith where we realize that we have all been dealt the measure of faith, so we know that that's been given. So uh, we know that once we receive the Holy Ghost, we don't just get a, a new language, but we receive power. And that word power in the Greek is dunamis, which means miraculous power and ability. So if it's God's Spirit that I receive, and I receive the miraculous power of God's Spirit, I receive the ability of God's Spirit, I, I take on the attributes of God. I now have uh, ability to do things that God will allow me to do. That's why Jesus said, there are things you shall do and greater things shall you do. Uh, but it's because I go away. Well, he was going away so the Holy Ghost could come. Uh, you'll never do those things without him. You'll never do those things without the Spirit. That's why we've talked about faith for the last four lessons. And now we're talking about what's pushing that faith. Uh, if we just had faith but there was no Spirit, nothing's going to happen. Because it's not by might or power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. God's telling me, he said, you can have faith and put all your might into it, but it won't work without the Holy Ghost. It won't work without. That's why we tell people, you must be born again because you need to be led of the Spirit now that you're in this life. And he said, you'll be witnesses unto me. So it doesn't only put something inside you that you get to look at. It's not like a, a shiny new penny that you can just stare at and say, wow, this is nice. Glad I got it. He said, but it is in you to move you. Uh, he said, you're going to be witnesses unto me. Uh, that word witness actually translates to martyr. You know what a martyr is? Somebody who gives their life for a cause. He said, it's going to change your life. It's going to cause you to now rearrange your thought process, your values, what you think are important, and you're going to work and live for me if you be led by the Spirit. And who wouldn't want to be? led by the Spirit. Who wouldn't want to live for God? I sure, I sure want to live for Him. I'm glad that heaven's coming, and, uh, but I don't want to be a, a lazy, uh, born-again saint of God. I want to do what God called me to do. I love living this life for God. I love that He gave me the ability. So if any born-again person ever says, I can't do that, you're speaking directly against what God said you could do. And Paul said, I can do all things. Through Christ that strengthens me. And let me tell you, these men that we read about never had a name to us until God called them, put his spirit in them, and put them in this book. You'd have never heard of Paul if God hadn't knocked him down on the road uh, to Damascus and filled him with his spirit. And then Paul begins to do the things that God called him to do. And let me tell you, every one of us are just like them. We are people living our lives that have had an encounter with God and now God has filled us with His Spirit and said, let me show you the things I want you to do. I want to make sure I'm doing uh, what God called me to do. I want to be led by the Spirit because every day you're going to see something that you need. Uh, every day there's an opportunity for you to reach out and touch somebody, touch a life, do something for the kingdom of God every day. You can take a day off. You can sit around and say, I'm not doing nothing today. And it's all right. Take a day of rest. 
have a day to yourself, recharge, but, but never forget about God. But when you go to work, opportunity. When you go to school, opportunity. When you go to town, opportunity. When you come to church, big opportunity. You need to be realizing that there's a place for you to do things all the time uh, but when you are filled with the Spirit of God. Aren't you thankful to be filled with the Holy Ghost? You know, it's amazing for people, uh, you know, it, maybe it's not everybody, but, but I have seen this, that people wanted the Holy Ghost so bad. Oh, begged, cried, pleaded, everything they could, got it, walked away from it. What in the world? Uh, you know, is it, I got it, so, eh, you know, uh, let's say your born-again experience will never, never measure up to what it should be if you don't live in the Spirit. As we'll talk about a little more of that in a little bit, just a few minutes, but you think about that. God didn't uh, cause you to be born again just so you could stand around and, and do nothing right. and, be, and be nothing. God wants you to be something for him, and, uh, not to make a reputation for yourself, but to give him glory. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they can see your good works. People ought to see you doing good works. And your good works should be done by the Spirit, by the leading of the Spirit. But why is that? So that they can glorify your Father which is in heaven. God is going to get the glory for it. And that's the way it ought to be. I don't need the glory. God gets the glory. I'm just thankful that he's letting me be a part of something. So let's think about just a normal day in the life of some people. This is a story that we read in the Scripture. This is a few weeks after Pentecost. I'm going to read it in this context, and, and I want you to just think about Jerusalem. If you've ever been there, you can kind of picture it. If not, just get a picture in your mind what you think it looks like. Uh, a story that takes place in Acts chapter 3, and it's just an average day for everybody until some great thing happens. Let's read this. It was a hot and dusty day in Jerusalem. It was a busy day, and since the dawn that morning, people had been bustling about the temple either to do business in the market at the Gentile court or for other more religious reasons. The priest hurried back and forth with livestock, grain, jugs of wine for the daily sacrifice. The Pharisees in their fine garments walked leisurely around the temple grounds, deep in conversation about the law. Teenage boys gathered in small groups at the feet of their masters, hoping to learn enough to one day be called rabbi themselves. Uh, Diaspora Jews, Jews that live outside of Palestine, dressed in all kind of different garb, excitedly entered the grounds with a sense of awe and reverent wonder. For many, this would be the only time in their lives that they would see this magnificent, sprawling campus of nearly 40 acres in size. On the eastern side of the temple complex stood a magnificent gate that faced the morning sun, and most Jews entered the grounds from this side. So there was a constant stream of traffic as thousands of people passed through its frame daily. The Jewish historian Josephus claimed that it was 75 feet tall, ornately carved and covered in Corinthian brass, which gleamed brilliantly in the morning sun. For the locals, it was simply called the beautiful gate. Outside this gate sat a middle-aged man who went about his daily routine. With his twisted feet, he was unable to walk and unable to work. Each morning, a family member would carry him to the temple and leave him by the gate, only re to return each evening and take him home. 
Each day he would sit on the ground close to the flow of people and beg for alms. And since this was a popular entrance to the temple and thousands of new people came every day, it was a good spot to ask for a handout. It was also a miserable existence. Nobody wants to be lame. Every day the lame man watched thousands of able-bodied people walk past him on their way to do something important. As he tried to make eye contact and find a merciful soul who would spare a corner to, this had been his routine for so many years that he was now invisible to the local people. But one day, on just this average day, one day something different happens. Peter and John filled the Holy Ghost now were walking together to the temple for a time of prayer. This had become a part of their new routine since the miraculous events of Pentecost just a few weeks before. As they walked with a crowd of people toward the gate, beautiful, they noticed the lame man leaning against the wall. They had passed this man on several other occasions, but something was different this time. Something stirred in Peter's heart, and for the first time, he looks at the man with compassion. The lame man asked for money with a half-hearted effort, not expecting a response. But the Holy Ghost nudges Peter, pray for that man. And so Peter stops, look at us. And suddenly with an expectancy, the man looks up into Peter's eyes thinking he's going to get a generous handout. But with newfound boldness that came from the infilling of the Holy Ghost, Peter reaches out his hand and says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And in that instant, the lame man made a decision of faith to grab his hand. And as he did, a sensation, I don't know, maybe what he felt, maybe he felt that warm sensation, or maybe it felt like lightning shooting through his body, but his, his ankles and feet rotate into the correct positions, his uh, bones and muscles receive strength and and he says, with Peter's help, I'll, I'll struggle to stand. But wait, I don't have to struggle. It says he leaps up and he's standing on his own two feet. Can you imagine him crying out as he stood for the first time? Didn't know how to walk, but now he, he's not only walking, he's leaping and jumping and praising God because he can do things now that he could never do before. It was just an ordinary day. But because two men that were filled with the Holy Ghost, two men uh, urged by the Spirit and led by the Spirit, see a man that they had seen many times before, but now something's different. There's a power within them that they can make a difference in his life. He goes through the, ba- the gate, beautiful with them, and he follows them into the temple. The f- he'd sat outside it for so long. He'd sit outside and watch people go by for so long, but this was his day. And it's all because somebody, led of the Spirit, realized that what is usually a normal everyday routine can turn into the miraculous. And there's people that you pass by every single day, people that you come in contact with every day and have for years maybe, that they're just waiting for you to finally give in to that nudge of the Holy Ghost. Would you invite them to church? Would you ask them if you could pray for them? That's what the Spirit will do. It will lead you. It will help you to be what God caused you to be. You know, you'll look at the people differently once you're born again. You do. Uh, you, you start seeing people as Jesus sees people. 
you start realizing that they matter. No matter what they may look like, act like, smell like, or involved in, you start realizing that these people are precious to God. And let me tell you, God said, I need laborers in the harvest. And he needs Holy Ghost filled laborers in the harvest that can actually make a difference. I don't need somebody just spouting off a bunch of words. You need somebody that can move in the power of the Holy Ghost. That can speak a word of faith. That can use the name of Jesus and see people's lives changed. It was just an average, ordinary day for thousands of people. People there. I'm sure there was other Holy Ghost filled people walking by. But God moved on Peter. And he moved on John. This man needs a change. How many times have we ignored the prompting of the Holy Ghost? You work side by side with somebody. You need to invite them to church. Oh, I can't, you know, my church is crazy, man. They run and shout and fall out on the floor. And this person, man, they would never, well, uh, no, Lord, you know, uh, I can't ask them to come to church. It, it, we'll make up excuses to, to get out of doing what God asks us to do. But God has given us the Holy Ghost. So that in everyday normal situations, whatever we come in contact with, we can make a difference. God's church was called to make a difference. Everywhere Jesus went, he made a difference. It didn't matter what situation he faced, what he came in contact with. He had a word. He had faith. He did something. He worked a miracle. And, hey, it said you'd receive power. So you, you start thinking... Uh, how little you are and how insignificant you are and how you can't do anything. But then you're saying that the power that God put in you, either you're saying it can't do what it says it can do or either you've shut it up so tight and locked it away so deep that it can't get out. But he said it's miraculous power. It's ability. He said you shall receive ability to work miracles. Not to be magicians and sorcerers and wizards doing all kind of crazy things. He said, but you can have power for signs and wonders and miracles to follow you because you are a believer in me. That's the church, folks. 3,000 people on that, 3,120 at least on that day of Pentecost, filled, baptized, filled with the Spirit turning the world upside down. And they wasn't just running around, running their mouth, but there was miracles happening, healings happening. People were getting blessed. Can you imagine what an incredible experience it was for this man uh, and Peter and John that day? They had seen all kind of things Peter and John had in their life, but this is, this is us now. Jesus wasn't with us. <laughs> this is us. He's in us, but he's not walking. I'm not holding his hand. I'm not watching him do everything. Go, wow, this was us. But God did it through us. Maybe they talked about it later. Did you feel that nudge? And Man, there wasn't no way I could turn away from it. I had to do it. They were, just, they were just two ordinary fishermen. And one guy that had been walked past for years and years and years, just ignored daily, day after day. But they had an experience because of the Holy Ghost. The difference between Peter and John and everybody else that day that passed by the lame man was the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, listen will change who you are. It will change who you are. It changed Paul from persecuting the church, or Saul from persecuting the church, and it changed him to Paul to preaching the gospel of Christ. It changed him. 
It stopped him from being who he was and made him a new creature. When we become a new creature in Christ, that's more than saying, I believe in Christ and now I'm new. There's got to be something happen on the inside. There's got to be a change. Before the day of Pentecost, Peter and John lived and traveled with Jesus. But Jesus had not yet moved in because he was still walking with them. But he, he told them, he said, uh, the one that's with you is going to be in you in, in a certain day. You know, the night before the crucifixion, that three years of walking with Jesus came to a screeching halt when they came to arrest Jesus and they everybody took off, John and Peter included, and left him by himself in the garden. And then Peter went on later that night to deny him three times that he even knew who he was. But a little over seven weeks later at Pentecost, Peter and the rest of these disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost. And now the new Peter, the changed Peter, publicly proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ and he started a new life. And it was marked by that boldness he had in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost will change you. I know I've used Christopher as an example before, but when he got the Holy Ghost, it changed him. Anybody who was in Pembroke, North Carolina that year, you know it changed him because you was there. We've seen it. When he got off the floor that night, he said, I came to get that, and I got what I came for. And he had the Holy Ghost. And, man, he, was, he ain't quit smiling yet. He's still smiling, <laughs> still grinning. But he was talking. He's always grinning, but, man, now he's talking. And now he preaches. Preaches that word, and, and he's living his life. It changes who you are. It'll take somebody that's introverted and it'll make them an extrovert when they have to be. It'll make people that are uncomfortable talking to crowds stand up and say, you need to repent to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't you know uh, that maybe Peter could have thought, oh, if I stand up, some of them people said, you don't want to deny him. What do you got to say? But he said, the boldness of the Spirit got me past that fear. And he stood up and he preached a message that changed the world and turned it upside down. The Holy Ghost will change us. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again, born of water, and born of the Spirit. And that we know because it's being born again, we're not, uh, we don't become little children in the flesh again. He said, what's born of flesh is flesh. He said, but what is born of the Spirit is now Spirit. And that word born means to regenerate. And that word regenerate means to give new life to or to renew or to improve how many knows it wasn't nothing but an improvement when you were born again I saw somebody had a stupid bumper sticker one day said I don't need to be born again I was born alright the first time I wanted to just run into them I did I just wanted to let the insurance take care of it I was, uh, I was just get rid of that bumper sticker right now if I'd have followed him, I probably would have snuck away and ripped it off, or I would have just put idiot beside it. <laughs> I don't even be born again. I was born all right the first time. You ain't got no idea what you're missing. You ain't got no idea what you're headed to because you hadn't been born again. Let me tell you something. There's something about being born again, giving new life uh, to this old flesh, giving new life, a new man raising up inside of us, renewed. That's why Paul said in Romans 12 and 2, he said, you need to be renewed in your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that, that mind means your thoughts, your feeling, and your will. 
And it also means your meaning. The meaning of you being here on this planet changes. The meaning of your life changes. Your, your, people say, well, what do I got to do? What, what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of me being here? What's the meaning of me doing this? Uh, your meaning of existence changes. It's, it's, it's improved. It's renewed. And, and you've, you don't conform to the world anymore. You don't, you don't walk past people and look the other way. That's what the world does. But now you look at people that need help. And you reach out to them. Because you realize that God has given me a great gift that I need to share. And when you see people that have a sickness or an affliction or a problem, you say, I'm not going to just ignore it, but I'm going to pray for it because I've been empowered by the Spirit. And when people come to you with a problem, you shouldn't just go, hmm, hmm, hmm. That's life. Well, it might be life, but there's an answer. There's, a, there's, there's faith and there's prayer that can change things. And so we have to. We've got to change. And so I said it before. It's not enough to, to just be changed, to be born again. Because once you're born again, you're born again. Something happens. You have repented. You're baptized. You're born of water. Your sins are washed away. Now you're filled with the Spirit. Something ought to be happening. There's an action required. We can't just... Uh, be changed in that instance, but we must live the change. You hear what I'm saying? I've said it before, and I'll say it again a million times before this world's over with if I get the chance. There's a lot of people been born of water and born of spirit that will never, ever do what God called them to do because once they were changed and, and, and were given new life, they don't live the new life. But you must live the new life. It's not enough to have a brochure on the new life. It's not enough to have pictures of the new life or watch other people live the new life. We must live the new life. Come on, that's good. We need to be excited. We were like, okay, I'm going to get this Holy Ghost because I need a change. We came and prayed because our life was upside down and we knew we were lost in sin and we needed the blood of Jesus to make a change in our life. But once it changes us, then we've got to live the change. We've got to be the change that Jesus wants us to be. Or we'll never win this world. You can't stay the same and win anybody. You can't tell somebody, look what Jesus did in my life. I'm looking. I don't see nothing different. Oh, yes, but it's on the inside. Then people sing that song, Jesus on the inside. Can't see nothing on the outside. Ain't been no change in my life. But there was a change. We sing it. What a wonderful, wonderful change. Since Jesus came into my life. We used to sing songs like that about the change. And we talked about how great it was. What a wonderful, wonderful change. And it was. And it is so exciting to live your life for God. Don't get drawn back to living in the flesh. Keep walking in the Spirit and being led in the Spirit. Because it's not just for your benefit. But it's for this world. He said, I'm giving you this power. And it ain't just for you, honey. It's for Jerusalem and Judea and all of Samaria and the the far reaches of the earth. It's for the people that bag your groceries. It's for the people that work on your car. It's for the people that you work for. It's for the people you sit beside in class. Somebody needs to hear and see a change in your life. They need to know. They need to question what in the world has happened to you. Because it will change you. It will make you different. 
Paul said it like this in Romans 8 and 2. I think that's right. No, 8 and 12. I didn't give you this, bro, so don't worry about it. Romans 8 and 12 and 13. He said, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. The flesh had never done me anything that I owed anything, but hurt me. So we are not debtors, uh, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you'll die. That's the only end you've got to look for for that. But if you, through the Spirit, through the Spirit, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. He's saying you're going to live, but you've got to do some things different. There's got to be a life in the Spirit that is led by the Spirit in Galatians 5, 24 and 25. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. You kill your desire for this world with the Spirit. When you're not led of the Spirit, you're going to have trouble in the flesh. When you don't submit to the Spirit, you're going to always battle your flesh. Now, you're going to battle temptation, born again. You can be uh, living for God for the rest of your life, but you're going to fight temptation because that's going to come to every single man. But you're going to have trouble in the flesh. You're going to have trouble actually laying things down and getting past things if you cannot live in the Spirit because the Spirit will kill that. If we yield to it. The spirit will take control over those things. If we will yield to it. And so he said uh, that we have crucified the flesh. With the affections and lust. You'll stop wanting. The things. Of the flesh. If you spend more time. In the spirit. The affection that you had for. Going out. And hanging out. and, And doing things that you know you shouldn't do. That will begin to leave you. When you spend time in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Well, how, how, how do we do that if God's not just speaking into my ear all the time? Jesus said, the words I speak are Spirit, and they are life. And that's why one psalmist said his word was like a, a, a light under my path and a lamp under my feet. It shows me where to go. I know how to walk in this world by the word of God because I'm not walking in the flesh anymore, but I'm walking in the spirit because I've been filled with the spirit. So the word of God leads me day to day and it keeps me from letting my eyes see things I shouldn't see and my ears from hearing things I shouldn't hear and my mouth from saying things I shouldn't say. keeps my hands from doing things they shouldn't do. We need the Spirit. And we don't just need to get it so we can get a certificate that say, I talked in tongues. We need the Spirit so we can live the life that God designed for us to live. He said, I don't want you to just be born. Nobody has a a newborn baby and just puts it in a crib and leaves it if they love it. But you're always looking to, to, to improve them. You're always trying to teach you, man, when you know they can't talk yet, but you're going, say daddy, say dada, say mom. You know, they can't do nothing but little spit bubbles coming out of their mouth yet. They can't even say anything yet. And, and when we know, and one thing, we, really, we know they're way too young, but more soon as we can, get on that potty. We want to get this out of the way. We want these kind of things done. Uh, we, uh, we, we want you. Your life will be better, I promise you. You won't be wearing that stuff around. You, it'll be gone. You, 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 you know, we, we're teaching them to improve. And then, hey, we teach them to 
crawl and to walk and have balance and to stand and, and then to talk and we teach them to run and we teach them all kind of things because we want them to be the best that they can be. We teach them to say yes sir and no sir and yes ma'am and no ma'am and, and we're trying to give them manners and we teach them right and we correct them. We do all this because we love them and we want them to grow up with and be at least a part of the person we know they can be. And Jesus is looking at us saying, I want you to be the person that I know you can be because I put my spirit inside of you. But you know, when a child, if they learn at an early age not to listen to authority or listen to parents and listen to teachers and listen to uh, the voices that are in their life, they become spoiled. They get lost in the world. They get lost in things and I'm going to tell you, there's no such thing as self-made men, self-made people. There was always somebody's shoulders you stood on to get where you are. You stepped on somebody to get to the place you were. And, and so I don't want to be just a lost, born-again Christian. Well, I know you can be lost and be born again. I'm sure you can be. Sure you can. If you're not listening to his voice, he said, my sheep know my voice. I'm the shepherd. I'm leading you. I, I won't. Always, we can't stay in this pasture all the time. Sometimes we got to go over here. I got to lead you to different places. Sometimes I got to lead you to water. But if you're not listening to me, all of a sudden you look up and where did everybody go? There's going to be a lot of people born again. It's going to look up one day and say, where did everybody go? Led by the Spirit. Lived by the Spirit. Changed by the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is given to help us in our lives. It's going to help us. So if we're born again, we've got to learn to live again. And we live by the word. So, so Paul said, uh, we've crucified the flesh with affections and lust. And if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And so let's learn to live and let's learn to walk and do in the spirit. Because somebody's life is counting on it. Somebody's needing you to be that person in the spirit. Needing you to actually... Make that, that statement, I've been born again, means something. There's a lot of people today say, I'm a born again believer, but have never actually been born again. And you can't be a born again believer and still live the same old way. I don't want to discredit that new birth by living my life the same old way. I don't want to discredit what God has done. I don't want to. to frustrate the grace of God and, and make a, the, the blood of Jesus of none effect in my life. I, after he's washed my sins away to just turn around and just pile up a whole nother stack. I know we make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not saying that we're not ever. We're going to make mistakes in our lives. It is so good that we can come if we're led by the Spirit. We'll come and fall down and we'll say, you know, I'm sorry. Here's, here's what I've done. I, I repent. Forgive me again, oh God, and have mercy once again. And, and he will. He's faithful. He said, if we confess our faults, he's faithful to forgive us. Uh, but when people stop being led by the Spirit, they, they don't feel like they've done anything wrong anymore. Because you never felt like you'd done anything wrong until the Spirit got a hold of you. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And that Spirit is good. <laughs> and that Spirit comes down. We feel it and we realize, man, I am worthless but God is great, and his mercy and grace is new to me today. And, it's, and so we fall down, and we, we despise our lives, and we love him, and we pray, and we seek that. But when people stop listening to the Spirit, they don't even think there's anything wrong with their life anymore. Oh, I'm good like I am. 
I know people that's walked away from, from, from truth and apostolic truth and, and the word of God, the truth of God's word, and they'll say, I'm closer to God than I've ever been. I don't know where that, but see, that's the difference in perspective. They feel like as long as I'm doing good deeds in the flesh, I'm just I'm stacking up favor with God. God didn't ask about stacking up uh, favor with him. He said live in the spirit, be led of the spirit, be born of the spirit. And so once we are, we've got to live that change. Because somebody, again, it's not just for you. If it was just for us, that would be one thing. But it's for somebody else. And this man, if Peter and John had, had lived their life like that with that kind of attitude, that guy dies sitting at the gate. Been there 40 years. 40 years. 40 years sitting in the same place. And it was because of two Holy Ghost filled men that he's no longer a beggar. But now he can actually go into the temple. He can get a job. He can have a family of his own. He can do what he wants to. He can go where he wants to go. All because somebody on just an average day came in contact with him and said, You don't need to be like that. The Lord wants to touch you today. And he wants to heal you today. And they prayed for him. After the ascension of Jesus, the disciples, they relocated from Galilee to Jerusalem. And that's where the first quarter part of the book of Acts takes place. It appears that part of the apostles' new normal thing was to go and pray at the temple. That's what they did. Being born of the Spirit will give you a new routine. It will change what you do every day. Uh, even this change that they experienced was only the beginning of what God was going to do with Peter and John. And now as they walked to the temple to pray, the Spirit arrested their attention and disrupted their new routine so that they could change the life of this man. Life in the Spirit meant following the leading of the Spirit every day and in every situation. When you were born again, did it not change your routine? Did you not stop doing some things and then start doing some things? Maybe you never prayed every day before that, but now you do. Maybe you didn't read your Bible before that, but now you do. Maybe you didn't go to church before then, but now you do. It, it, it will bring things in, and maybe you stopped doing some things. It changed. Maybe you stopped going places you used to go or listening to things you listened to or watching things you used to watch because now the Holy Ghost has changed. Your perspective changed. Uh, you were led by that. It wasn't uh, just somebody telling you, but the Spirit of God convicted your heart. You ever had the Spirit convict you of something and you stopped it? It didn't matter if anybody else was saying, hey, you don't need to do that. Like, yeah, whatever, don't be telling me what to do. But all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, hey, I said, don't do that. And you're like, ooh, yes, God. <laughs> and you decided, that, uh, yep, that's, that's good enough for me. And uh, so when the Spirit uh, moves on us, that's, you were led by the Spirit to get rid of that stuff. Uh, here lately, <clears throat> over the last uh, week, since last Wednesday, I've, I've saw testimonies of so many people that have been led by the Spirit of God to get things out of their life. One young man that comes here, I don't see him yet, if he's here today yet or not, but uh, deleted like 1,500 songs out of his music list because it was uh, this, this music, worldly music, and, and just music that, that would, uh, would pull him in the wrong direction. But the, the Holy Ghost that he's got now said, hey, it was preached about, it was shown to you, and he said, okay. And he listened to the Spirit of God and said, I'm getting this stuff out of my life. 
the Spirit of God will change things in your life. The Spirit-led life of Peter and John also caused another change. Interaction with the Spirit affected those with whom they came in contact. People's going to know you, you're something different. They're going to know that, that you ain't the same as you used to be. All of a sudden, you know, how come, how come you ain't hanging around as much anymore? How come you ain't telling them jokes you used to tell? How come you ain't drinking no more, smoking that dope no more? How come you ain't, what's going on with you? I tell something's going on, you're different. Something's happening. You, you're dressing different, acting different, talking different. Don't ever be ashamed to say why you're doing what you're doing. They don't have to understand it. They don't have to accept it. They don't have to believe it. They can call you crazy. They called them crazy. Called them nuts. Hated Jesus. You know, they killed him for the way he lived. So don't marvel if they hate you too. People that live in the flesh will never understand life lived in the spirit. You didn't understand it when you lived in the flesh. And the truth be told, we probably laughed at some people that was church people. I know I did. We, when I went to public high school, we had some Pentecostal girls that went to uh, the high school I went to. and I mean, I didn't just bully them or pick on them, but I'd be like, like hey, I ought to be on a little house on the prairie. You know, <laughs> you know was, I mean, that's the way you always know, make jokes about them and stuff like that. Hair all the way down, and, you know, they, and these girls had to wear sleeves to the wrist and, and, and uh, I mean, skirts sweeping the floor. And so I was like, like half pint coming in here, you know. So I didn't know if there was a play going on that day or what, but we, we laughed at them, didn't understand it. Didn't know what they were doing, didn't know what it was about. And so, oh, how ashamed I felt after I came into this marvelous truth and thought, oh, boy, so I you going to believe it. That's why I get, mm, when I see people talk about apostolic people, I guess my, I have to, then I got to be led of the Spirit not to open that mouth. <laughs> don't talk about my God. Oh, don't talk about this truth that I love. Mm. Now, you may not understand it. That's fine. We can agree to disagree. But you mock it, talk about it, run it down. You're about to have some problems. And you may not understand why our ladies act and dress the way they do. That's all right. If you don't understand it, that's fine. Everybody don't understand it. That's cool. I didn't understand it either. But do not make fun of them in front of me. Don't laugh at them or talk about them in front of me. Don't talk about our guys because they don't act like fools. Don't talk about my church people. Don't talk about the saints of God. If you don't understand it, that's cool. But don't just mock it and make fun of it and be ugly about it. Because you might have no one God will slap you down. Paul didn't understand it. Saul didn't understand it. And so he, he stood by while they stoned Stephen to death. And wasn't long after that that God said, let me open your eyes. And he said, I'm Jesus who you persecute. Wow. Oh, ow, ow, ow. And that's how it was. Peter preached and said, that same Jesus that you crucified, ouch. Pricked their heart. He would always start off when he talked to them Jews, hey, you know Jesus that you crucified? <laughs> Just slapping them right off the bat. Get your attention right here. Jesus that you killed, pow. You know, right off the bat. And that hurt their heart. It made them upset. In one place they said, you're trying to bring this man's blood on us. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the blood of Jesus on your life. But they meant it in another context, of course. But, uh, but that's, that's the, you know, once you realize how you have not been what you should have been, the Bible says you would loathe yourself in your own sight. And so you, oh, 
man, I can't believe it. I still, I think back to the way I was before God, and I think, oh, oh, oh. I'm so glad that there were no, none of these in my day. Thank God I was born when I was born. You can take no pictures with a pager. So it wasn't no, no social media, wasn't nothing like that. It was just word of mouth. You could always lie your way out of that, you know. Oh, no, they don't know what they saw. They was drunk as I was, you know. So you, so you could, but now you can't deny it. Hey, that's your picture. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, lost my mind for a few minutes. I'm glad we got the spirit today. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. Faith is being released in this day. Jesus said, I want laborers to go into the harvest. And if you're laboring in the harvest, you will have daily opportunities to be an example, to be a light, to be a witness, to help somebody, to pray for somebody. Something's going to come your way. When the Holy Ghost nudges you, it did that to Philip. Think about Philip. It made him run a, you know, run a marathon down through the desert to catch a man driving on a chariot. Hey, I know you're in the middle of revival right here, but run all the way down into the desert and catch this one guy. And so he did. And he finds this one man riding on a chariot. And that happened because the Spirit led him to do it. He didn't say, I bet there's a guy. About this time of day, the chariot I'll be coming by. He didn't, man, he's in the middle of revival. But the Spirit, hey, go, go. And so he ran, preached to this guy, baptized this guy. This guy's life has changed forever. I hope we see the eunuch in heaven. I hope he's there. I hope he lived it. And I hope we get there and say, was you the one on that chariot? Man, tell me about that day. Just tell me how that was. And I want to hear his story, how it happened. I want to... I want to hear. I don't know if that's how it'll happen. I hope it is. Let's come on, darling. Let's, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. It's time to stop. We want to be led of the Spirit. We're empowered by it. And so we want to be led by it. God didn't just give us the, the Holy Ghost, like I said, just, you know, I've said this, you heard me say it. It's not an accessory, it's a necessity. It's not something just on ourselves and say well look what I got but it is for our benefit number one because without it the new birth is not complete we must be born of the spirit so we must have the spirit without the spirit of Christ the Bible says we are none of his it's evident that we as individuals need it but it's also evident that this world needs spirit filled vessels to reach out and reach it so live in the spirit walk talk behave yourself in the spirit whatever you do do it in the spirit in the spirit of God let's stand together and pray this morning as we're getting ready to be dismissed and just be thankful now and if you're in here today and I don't know I think everybody here has got the Holy Ghost but if you don't have the Holy Ghost ain't no reason to leave this building today without it no reason in the world let's pray together Lord thank you we love you and praise you give you honor today. Thank you for the privilege of being able to worship here every day, every week. Lord, we come into this house. Help us to see all the people and the situations that we come in contact with every day. Let us see it through your eyes. Allow us to be vessels that you can use so we can minister to others and shine a good light before them. I believe that all things are possible because of the power 